Well, welcome back to our time together today. We're doing our final day, day or two in a series on the, some of the Psalms that are not as well known. Today, I want us to look at Psalm 142. And in Psalm 142, it's not a very long Psalm. It's only seven verses. I'm going to read it to you. David said, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name, that the, then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness for me. In this psalm, David was depressed. He was discouraged. And I think you could say he was down. He was hiding in a cave for fear of his life. And he was alone and feeling unloved and forgotten. He cried, no one cares for my life. This cry has been ordered has been offered and uttered by a lot of people across the years. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares what happens to me. All of us have felt something of that at some time or the other, even though it, I'm sure it probably wasn't true for most of us. Somebody did care. Certainly God did, and others probably did too. But David's situation was very difficult. King Saul had decided that David was out to get his throne, which wasn't true, and so he decided the only way he could make sure David didn't take over his throne because David had become more popular with the people than he, that, that the only way to stop that was to kill David. So nine times in two chapters of 1 Samuel 19 and 20, he tried to have David murdered. Thoroughly frightened, David had to run for his life, and finally he came to a large cave, the cave of Abdullam. It was there that he found a, a natural refuge, a place where he could hide. And then later he went to a cave in En Gedi where he also was running from Saul and 3,000 of Saul's chosen troops. We don't know which one of the caves he was in when he wrote this psalm, but he was in one of those. And this is called a mascal psalm, which means it is a psalm written for instruction. David felt later that he had learned some lessons in his troubles which could encourage and help others. So he included this psalm in the Jewish hymn book, in the Jewish book that he wrote with others called the Psalms, and he wrote most of them. So let's look at what, what David said. Notice first the tormenting truth. David said, no one cares for my life. That tormenting truth is the story of many, many people. No one believe nobody cares for them. Nobody really loves them. Nobody has capacity for them. And there are a few people who've experienced that kind of extreme rejection, and that is a difficult, difficult situation to, to be in. David said, I looked on my right hand, and I didn't have anybody. I looked on uh, anybody standing up for me. There wasn't anybody, and there wasn't anybody defending me. You see, David was being accused of being a traitor to his king and of trying to usurp his authority, and that was not true. But where were his friends? Where were his relatives? Who was standing up for him? They were afraid too. And they were hesitant to take a stand with him. Uh, 
And all, all of them seem to have forsaken him, at least it seems so to him. And, and so he had been really important with the king, but now he was a nobody who was simply an enemy of the king, and the king was out to get him. Keith Miller, in his book, Living the Adventure, relates a letter written from a woman named Alice. She said when she was a little girl, she was put in an orphanage, and she was, said, I wasn't pretty, and no one wanted me, but I recall longing to be adopted and loved by a family. And she said, I can think of that as long as I can remember, back far back as I can remember. I thought about it day and night, that if I could just be adopted and loved in a family. I always tried to please anybody who came to look uh, and to decide if they wanted to adopt me. Then one day, the head of the orphanage told me a family was coming to take me home with them. I was excited. I jumped up and down and cried. The matron reminded me that I was on trial, that I might not be a permanent arrangement, but I just knew it would be. And I went with the family and started school in their town, a very happy girl, and life began to open up for me a little. One day, a few months later, I skipped home from school and ran in the front door of the house and no one was home. There in the middle of the front room, I saw my battered old suitcase with my coat lying across it. And as I looked at it, I knew at once what it meant. It meant that they had decided to send me back to the orphanage. That happened seven times before I was 13 years old, said Alice. Now, now an adult, Alice has spent months and years in counseling, struggling to understand and overcome her deep emotional scars of rejection and loneliness and feeling as if nobody, nobody cared. You see, that's a, that's a tragic situation. And that there are people actually who really are abandoned and rejected. But David was not one of those. He did have friends and he did have people who cared. But it just seemed like he didn't. And that's the truth for most of us. It just seems like we don't have anybody that cares. And... So all across the world, people can say nobody cares. But David not only felt overlooked, he felt overwhelmed. The scripture says in verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you didn't know my path. It's almost he felt like God had almost rejected him too and left him kind of out there on his own and left him to kind of fend for himself against an enemy so powerful and amazing that it would be a miracle if he survived. Also, he felt overwhelmed about, uh, in, within his very being, his emotions, and that he, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know where he could turn. So if you feel that way today, maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, my husband or wife, they don't really seem to care. Uh, my dad or mom, they don't really seem to care. My kids don't seem to care. My best friends, they kind of don't seem to care. Well, just think of it this way. God cares. They probably do too. They probably are busy and don't show it like they should. Oftentimes that is true, but let's show them that we love them. Let's show other people that we care. Whether they show us or not, it's, it's our privilege to show them, and oftentimes they will 
they will respond in an amazing way. But most of all, to know today that we're loved by God and cherished by him and that he cared so much that he sent his son to die for us on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins, that truly is an amazing reality. And we can bask in that love and joy that he provided. So today, I ask you to just look to him and say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. And no matter what's going on, you're there. You're with me. God bless you. Have a great day.